how old were you when you had to fake it for the first time? Uh, <laughs> first of all, that's a weird question. It's good practice for later in life. It, it is. It is. Things, oh God, <laughs> I was. Jeez, uh, oh, I would say the first time I faked it, um, uh, I was. You're, we're going to belong in the adult section of Amazon again. Yeah, we just earned our explicit little mark. Um, all right. <laughs> Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling everyone they're separated from God. This is Not Church with John and Nat Turney. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is John Turney, and I'm here with my brother, Nat, as always. Uh, if you want to give out a quick hello, Nat, just so everyone knows you're here. I'll resist the urge, man. <laughs> hello, everybody. <laughs> Been we the running are... joke that I might say hello, Nat, but I yes, won't do it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and, uh, and I just did it. Yeah, you did. But that's all right. Uh, and today <laughs> we are honored and privileged to be with Katie Valentine. Uh, I'll give you a quick bio of Katie. Uh, Katie Valentine is the founder of the Metaphysical Christian, a Facebook group of over 6,000 members, all exploring questions about metaphysics and being a Jesus follower. She is an ordained pastor and a New Testament scholar and is jazzed about justice and all that spiritual, all that the spiritual realities that mainstream Christianity avoids like the plague, which mm. is, yes, that's absolutely true. And she also plays the harp. I do. What? Yes. And I, I have to admit, because I was, I, I, you wrote a book too. Please tell us the title of your book. Uh, it is Sex, Slavery, and Self-Control. Mm. Yes. Sexy, so I, sexy stuff. Uh, so I have nice. to I have to ask a question because I went looking for your book on Amazon. Is it not available on Amazon? Sometimes this is just the best thing ever. Sometimes it appears under the adult section because of the title. And you have to turn your like studies. So uh, my okay. publisher was supposed to work on that. Uh, so I'll I'll make sure I give you a Bitly link uh, by the end of the episode. So if anyone who wants it, they can have it. Oh goodness. Isn't that the best? It's a, it's an exploration of first of a uh, first Corinthians seven verses 21 through 24 for the curious. <laughs> <laughs> so in looking for you though, I found a CD of heart. Oh, my heart CD, is that also yeah. something you did? Yeah, it is. That's probably gosh, like five years old or so. It's, um, yeah, it really is bringing, it kind of brought together a lot of my loves. Um, it's, uh, I'm on the harp and then the, the brain child behind the, behind the CD is my friend and colleague, Robin Waters Casper, and she's a Reiki master. So originally the CD was supposed to be for those who are receiving Reiki attunements and becoming like Reiki practitioners. So if you don't know what Reiki is, let me back up. Uh, Reiki is an energy healing modality that's a very gentle <laughs> kind of ener energy healing uh, that, can, that anyone, absolutely anyone can learn. And then it turned into sort of an all-purpose meditation CD uh, as well, kind of infused with like Reiki energy. So I'm on the harp. She's doing Reiki. It's it's the best thing ever. I give it to all of my, uh, all the people people that I work with. That's great. Well, um, before we delve into all of this stuff, I, I would just like to get a little bit of your, your faith background or however you want to describe that. Um, and just so we have a, like a good launching point to start from. Yeah, totally. So I, I grew up mainline Protestant in the, in the South in Louisiana. So I was very much embedded in evangelical culture. And my parents had left the Southern Baptist church when they got right after they got married. And when I started going to a Southern Baptist youth group, I just think they were horrified. They were just ready to, um, 
to do do harm to themselves because they had done worked so hard to uh, leave this kind of culture. And uh, here I was, but that's where all my friends were, and uh, it was kind of exciting. And they were they were robust and vital. And, and then when I got to when I got to college, I went to a small liberal arts college. Uh, go go gents! Uh, I went to Centenary College in Shreveport, Louisiana, where I'm from. And I, I walked into my first undergrad intro to Bible class, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm home. Because finally, people were talking sense about the Bible, when it was written, who wrote it, where it was written, um, like historical critical method, no one was trying to sort of talk me into some sort of bad doctrine with scripture anymore in this classroom. And so from there, uh, that's where I began my academic study of scripture, and kind of navigated my way in and out of kind of denominational exploration, and uh, really departed any of that evangelical stuff um, when I was in my you know, when I was like 21, 22. And I found my way to working on my PhD in in the New Testament. And while I was there, I became um, affiliated and a member of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, another mainline denomination. And that's where I've, um, that's where I've kind of grown in the past 20 years. And that's who ordained me. So I've, I've been in the moderate to progressive Christian world for, um, I would say most of my adult life now. So uh, lots of twists and turns along the way. Um, I thought for a long time I would be de-churched, that I, I would leave the church. And I tried. I tried like four or five times. And every time I did, God was just like, nope, 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 and brought me back uh, in a new way, shape, or form. <laughs> um, so kind of like it or not, yeah. uh, like it or not, uh, the the church with all of its good, with all of its bad. And I know this podcast is titled, This Is Not Church. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, always, uh, tr- I'm always seeking to find the places that don't seem like church that are exactly because it's not about the four walls, right? Exactly. It's about it's about the the work of God in community, right? right. It's really uh, it's interesting you said that, and I had no intention of bringing this up, but as soon as you said that, it it struck a nerve. But uh, I officiated a funeral last night, and uh, really good friend of mine, um, uh, her father passed away suddenly and unexpectedly, and so she asked me. She's not really a Christian. She would say she's not a Christian at all. Um, but she considers me her pastor, which I always feel deeply, deeply honored that she would say that. And so, oh, yeah. of course, I'll come. And so I, I stood in front of this ruckus crowd of beer drinking hooligans, um, all of whom were just busily telling stories about this guy and what a crazy dude he was and how much they loved him and how much he loved them. And um, I stood there da- trying to fight back tears, you know, and I said, then I, I, this is what I said. I said, my name is Nat. For better or for worse, um, I guess you could call me Devin's pastor, although our church is a beer hall. And it was like just this sudden understanding of like, you know what, church occurs wherever people care for one another, wherever they deeply try to love and understand one another. And, and we've had the best conversations over a pint at this little beer hall um, that we would have never had inside the four walls of my church. So I think I think you're absolutely on to it. Yeah, yeah, isn't that amazing? And I, you know, I, I think my one of my most powerful experiences of church. I was with a bunch of other like disciples, women, and I was in Turkey, and mm. we were listening to women. We were way, way far east in Turkey, near the Syria border, um, the back before Syria was in as so much crisis like they are in now. And uh, we were with women who had escaped honor killings. Mm. Wow! And they were telling us their story through translation. And oh my gosh, what a holy moment. It was like, we were Christians, we were Muslims, we were kind of people who were probably none of those um, in this room. And just, I mean, created this sacred moment in, uh, in Mesopotamia. I mean, 
<laughs> like that, that far wow. east, you know, I was like, it, it doesn't yeah. get more real than this. Like God like, was like, so present yeah. there. Like, like how apropos, right? I mean, yeah, what, a, what, a loca- what a location for that. That's amazing. I mean, we've talked about this before about the, the title of our podcast and the title of our Facebook group of This Is Not Church. Um, and it, it is, it's, it's, it's supposed to kind of, kind of open you up to this idea that those four walls that you guys or that have, people have called church for so long isn't the church. And so we want to question where is the church and why can't it be out in the, the forest? Why can't it be in a bar? Why can't it be somewhere in, in, in Turkey talking to people who are Christians? This is all church. And, uh, I, I just, it's just one of those things. It's like, it's, it's so important to us to, 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 to get to that point where we can just let some of that garbage and that baggage go. Yeah. And we have a ways to go. Cause I mean, I said what I said at this funeral last night and there was a guy that I know in the yeah. audience. I'm like, I know that guy. So I kind of keyed in on him for a second and he was sort of, you know, just paying attention. And, and then I said what I said and he literally crossed his arms and didn't uncross them the rest of the evening. Oh no. So okay. he was like, Something I'm like, oh, well, screw you. I'm not here for you. Um, <laughs> I'm here for um, I'm here for Devin and for her mom, who is sadly watching from a hospital room because she was ill. And so oh, I don't give a rip if your sensibilities were just trampled a little bit and your poor, yeah. poor little, you know, and, and again, maybe I'm reading into what he did. Maybe he had a crappy day and he had a he had maybe he had like male RBF. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but oh, it is. Um, I have it. It is now. Yeah, <laughs> it is now. Because I'm like, dude, what's your issue? But um, as you explore this stuff, though, Katie especially when it gets into the metaphysical. Um, I remember having a conversation with a theologian once and, and one of the things that he pushed back on was like the meta, like, I just, it's just all this metaphysics. I'm like, how is the gospel not metaphysical? Seriously. How, yeah. how, how, how yeah. are we divorcing the cosmic Christ? You know, right. it's like, it's like you can get so up inside your head and so academic that you like, like, I don't know, like, like you miss out on all the cosmic implications of the incarnation, the resurrection, all these things that we, we hold dear. But what, what what kind of pushback do you get on just even that word metaphysics? Oh, a lot. You know, um, it, it depends on who who from and where. But on uh, on my YouTube channel, you know, people will sometimes just expound on on how I'm leading people directly to sin and Satan and heresy and all of the above. And uh, my favorite is when someone says, "How dare I use the sweet and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in order to lead people to this heresy?" And I'm like, "Yes, wow. I dare. I actually am a coward." <laughs> <laughs> Any, anytime someone starts off with how dare you i just go i don't know how let's talk yeah. about you're right you're right you convinced me i'm gonna cancel my youtube channel right, right. now right. Of- you know what i was on the fence but i'm good now but you yeah, pushed right. me over <laughs> like i don't know 200 videos later right you're the right, one right. who persuaded me, right but that's, yeah you know when when people get upset with it um, what are they actually upset with? So I, I'm in a place in my journey now where unless I'm very tired or very hungry or very hangry, it doesn't even bother me <laughs> right, anymore, right. right? Because when someone makes that kind of complaint, they're they're doing it out of fear. Sure. They're doing it out of fear. They're doing it from their own place of trauma. They're responding from their own for their own programming. Um, so I, you know, I I try to respond either neutrally or with love. And most of the time yeah. I just say, it looks like this, what I'm doing is not for you. And that is a hundred percent okay. Sure. You know, yeah. go do the thing that is for you. So yeah, I push back a lot. Um, from within my, you know, from the people that I serve, they're excited. Yeah. Cause you know, they come into my Facebook group, they're like, Oh my gosh, I thought I thought I was alone. 
I thought I was the only one. I've been, yeah. I've been intuitive. I've been energetic my whole life. I didn't know. I, I didn't, I, they thought so many people I serve think or thought that they had to give up Jesus in order to explore metaphysics. Right. And so just the knowledge that other people are doing it is, is, um, revolutionary for them. And that's why um, I've somehow I've stumbled, not stumbled on this. I've been guided to do this in my own life, but very different than I, a very different place than I thought it would be 10 years ago or 15 years ago, where I assumed I would be a professor right? Um, somewhere, but this is so much better. Do you find it weird sometimes that, um, especially in certain brands and certain streams of Christianity, there is such a bent towards um, experiencing the Holy Spirit, right? And we're oh, supposed yeah. to have these. We're supposed to have these moments where we actually can hear from the Holy Spirit. There's a there's a sense of intuition. There's all this sense that that there's this there's this other kind of knowing. And yet, if you couch it in anything other than those terms, now it's New Age. So, yeah, and yeah. It's, isn't that funny? I call it. And I'm like, I'm not New Age. I'm Old Age. I, this right, is old right. stuff. But what I and what I endeavor to do is really divorce um the metaphysical experience from doctrine or dogma because you're right like if you grew up in a tradition and you had to speak in tongues in order to think you were going to heaven right right or you had to, to be slain in the spirit you know to use these kind of evangelical fundamentalist sure. charismatic terms um or get a word of wisdom and that like your salvation if your salvation is dependent on that that's a heavy load to carry yeah. oh yeah Right. That's it. I mean, that can be, that can, it can be freeing, but for a lot of people, it can be really oppressive. I mean, I, I, I've talked to so many Pentecostals who told me they fake speaking in tongues because they didn't want everyone to think that they weren't going to heaven. Um, yeah, that would be me. Oh, and how old were you when you had to fake it for the first time? <laughs> first of all, that's a weird question. It's good practice for later in life. It's it is. It different is. Things, oh God. But. I was, jeez. Uh, oh, I would say the first time I faked it, um, uh, I was. You're, we're going to belong in the adult section of Amazon again. Yeah, we just earned our explicit little mark. Because um, I, I was young, I was in junior high, and John and I, John will remember this youth pastor that we had, and uh, lovely lady. Okay, but I'm sorry, she was a bit nuts. Um, and so she was very, 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 then we went to a, we went to a, a four square church, which is, um, charismatic adjacent. I love that term, by the way, I'm using it for everything now. So they weren't like over the top crazy. This wasn't like your, like your typical holy roller, but absolutely the charismatic gifts of the spirit are in, are in, are in practice and, there, yeah. and, and you'll see them. They'll be embraced. You might not, you know, your typical Sunday morning won't be people rolling down the aisles. And, um, but this particular lady was, um, man, she was, she was into it. And so she would like to do this thing where she'd gather us up in our little youth room and nobody's going home until everybody prays in tongues. Oh my gosh. So we tarried, which was her word. We're going to tarry till the Holy Ghost comes. <laughs> and so, man, I swear to God, there, I, I, all I want to do is get out of there so me and my friend Gary can go get high. And so, yeah, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Can I go now? I just prayed in tongues. And she's over the moon happy that I've prayed in tongues and I'm just going to go get stoned. So would that help or hurt praying in tongues? I think if I had actually had the pot first, it would have absolutely helped. (laughs) Okay. If I, if I could have, in fact, I started going to church pretty well lit just because I had to deal with this person. And I'm like, you know what? I can't, I just can't with this person. And so me and my friend Gary would go blaze up beforehand and we'd go have church and um, embrace the fact that we were the bad guys in the group. And, but anyway, yeah, it, 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 that pressure to perform and to tap into the divine that way, 
and that way specifically. Um, I remember talking to somebody about, you know, this whole idea of, you know, um, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues was how we yeah. couched it. Right. Um, so if you didn't speak in tongues, you had no evidence that you had been filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, were you saved even? And I ran pretty fast and far from that crap as soon as I could. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's so heavy. So I, you know, and I now I have, you know, I, I work with people and have um, colleagues and, and people in my group who like, for instance, speak. Uh, what, what they'll call it like a light language sure or an like an angelic like angelic words i don't i don't do this myself so i can't really speak with much authority about it but i'm like the what's the difference between that and speaking in tongues very little right um, except for the dogma associated or not associated with it right well you know, and the and the scarring that happens because of that closed me off for a very long time to anything metaphysical it closed oh, me yeah, off to any potential experience of because it all smacked of garbage to me and and really borderline spiritual abuse and and so I had visceral reactions to my wife is very very intuitive right and she um, has always really loved that part that stream of Christianity that's very you know I guess for lack of a better term in touch with the Holy Spirit and and I just I'm like you know what give me my books give me the stuff I can touch taste and feel uh, even God became more of an abstract thing to me than something intimately involved. So it took a while to unpack that stuff and to heal from it. So um, if we can save some people some some time and maybe help them with their trauma, that would be fantastic as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, um, I, you know, it's so funny because my church, my denomination as a whole, we can't make a blanket description about anything, but as a whole, we're very like, sit down, stand up, open your hymn book, mm-hmm. sing your hymn hear like very, very sort of passively sit in pews and hear, you know, kind of hear. And uh, it's a very, it's a very uh, sort of like mid-America kind of interaction. And so I, you know, it's not like I'm walking around in church doing chakra healings or, <laughs> or, or Reiki or anything like that. Right. So this is right. all kind of in my own personal spirituality uh, as awesome. well. So I, yeah, I grew up in a very sort of like, um, there's a bulletin and you follow the order of the bulletin kind of church. Sure. Sure. I've, yeah, I've I've been in that type of church as well. Uh, Nat and I both have been in that type of church. Sure. Um, I mean, for for me, I guess part of this is where I kind of realized that you know we always want to say we're open minded, we're woke, or whatever you want to call it. And uh, Nat and I grew up, or were kind of brought up out just just on the end of the Jesus movement uh, uh, in the seventies, um, and. What, you know, coming out of like the hippie movement and into the Jesus movement, there was a lot of this, uh, I don't know how to describe it. You know, a lot of people call it like the woo-woo stuff, right? Um, of like crystals and new agey stuff. And it was pretty quickly pushed aside. And we were told that it was demonic. Um, it was going to lead you down that slippery slope towards some bad some bad stuff towards we and <laughs> towards the pot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, yeah. we was already there, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot to be said of uh, living a lot of my life in Southern Humboldt. And if anybody knows where that is, they know why that that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very, um, yeah. But uh, can you speak on how, how do we, how do we kind of break down those barriers from the Christian perspective of, this this is woo woo. This is uh, this is demonic. This is you know fill in the fill in the blank on whatever they're going to tell you to put the fear in you that what you're doing is taking you down that path towards 
I'm, I mean, I've had people say as much as, I mean, you're like one step away from Satan worship because of what you're doing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, if you mentioned a crystal or a chakra, like Satan or a demon is going to get in that whatever right. your tool of choice is, and then yeah, yeah get into you and sort of like all of that. Um, so a couple of, a couple of thoughts, I think this is less a linear straight line step one, two, three, rather than a circular, um, sort of a, cir- a circular path of exploration. But I think the number one thing um, that certainly has been true in my life and is true for a lot of people that I've um, that I've worked with for a lot of people in my Facebook group is they don't trust themselves. Um, there was such a there's such a long period of my life where I didn't trust myself. I was always externalizing my own inner power, my own authority, my own voice, and a, a large part of evangelicalism teaches that as truth. Um, that verse from Jeremiah that you can't, your, your own heart will deceive you and there is no cure. Um, that's hammered into people, especially women, but I think into um, all genders that we, we, we're not to be trusted. And I find once people can make the shifts to really trust their own inner voice and really trust um, that their own inner voice is a reflection of God. It is a reflection of spirit. It's a reflection um, not even a reflection, but it is an inner core that is tethered to the divine. That's when magic can really, really start to happen. I think a second thing that's really helpful for people, this is where um, my my academic scholar brain and, and teacher self just kicks into high gear, <laughs> is um, learning to evaluate and come into a healthier relationship with scripture. Yeah, and really taking taking a look at what is our relationship with Scripture. Um, I I I think it's probably clear uh, to listeners by now. You know, I don't believe that Scripture should be a book of death. It's it's not about a book of divine how not to. Um, rather, it should always be yeah. the tree of life. It should always be a tree of life within um, within within ourselves uh, and our relationship to it. So if we can even learn to approach Scripture. Um, mindfully, like if we can actually practice mindfulness with scripture, I find that that goes a really long way. So for instance, if I'm having a response, you know, if someone quotes that verse from Jeremiah to me, um, if I can just observe my reaction to that mindfully, okay, I've, I, gosh, I feel triggered by that. Yeah. Gosh, I feel really angry at that person. I also feel really fearful. What if my intuition is, is just, you know, uh, Satan coming into me? Just the act of observing ourselves, responding to that um, can be a really powerful and healing way to start to understand scripture differently. So then I've, I do a little Bible study sometimes with people where we go and we look at that, ver- that verse in Jeremiah and the verses that and I'm like, let's just look at it. Let's just be observers. Let's just be observers right. of scripture um, rather than take it so personally at this moment in time. When you read a couple of verses after that, that chapter is completely talking about wealthy people who exploit the poor for their own mm-hmm. purposes. And Jeremiah is making an indictment on them and telling them that as a consequence of their uh, ill behavior, they're going to lose all of their fortunes by midlife. Wow. So who are the hearts that are being deceived in that passage? It's not right. us. It's not 21st people paying attention to their intuition. It's jackasses in uh, you know, 6th <laughs> century Israel right? Yeah. who are weighting right. the scales incorrectly. So so hold on a second. You're yep. telling me that, that the context is important? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so context. But, you know, if we have that first moment of fear, we sometimes never even get to that. 
Yeah, but you need to get out with that new age crap. I mean, <laughs> you're, just, you're just you're just trying to belittle the Bible. You don't even believe Jesus anymore. Why don't you go? Right. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm just channeling my inner a-hole. Yeah, um, and, now, and now you can observe that, too, in the, within yourself. So, you know, for, I, the, for me, it's those two things. It's it's coming to just beginning that uh, process of becoming coming into a healthier relationship with Scripture, a more healed relationship with Scripture. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, learning to I, trust our intuition is those are two ways to begin with. And I think both are metaphysical. One of my favorite things about having someone on like you with whom I'm really not terribly familiar. So I'm, I, I'm just not, um, but I find, I find out stuff about you like here. So I'm like, Oh, so as soon as you tell me that you were part of disciples of Christ, I'm like, Oh, one of my favorite people in the entire world was a pastor in disciples of Christ. And his name was Floyd Kreider. We called him the master pastor. Um, oh, Nice. Floyd was Floyd was larger than life. Uh, graduate of Northwestern, brilliant man, um, just just this grandfatherly guy. But one of, one of, and, and the reason it's coming up is because one of his favorite things to do was he had these all these. He just always had these really pithy sayings. I just wanted to be a preacher like him because he could always uh, the Turner phrase was fantastic. But so his favorite thing to say to us was if you take the text out of the context, all you're left with is the con man. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Say that again for the people in the back. Let's write that one down. You know, it's but so yeah, it just it's it struck me as it still strikes me as this thing that's so difficult for some reason for us to do, which is to, as Marcus Borg would say, you know, to read the Bible, um, to take it seriously, but not literally. Yeah. Um, and that somehow when we, you know, the accusation is that when we don't take the Bible literally, we're not taking it seriously anymore. And I'm like to think that when you take it literally you actually take it less seriously. You take yeah. it less seriously and it's less fun. It's less fun. Well, and yeah. you miss so much depth of meaning. I remember telling somebody once, you know, honestly, and I, and I sort of parrot Rob Bell in this, like when, when, when all you want to talk about is whether or not Jonah actually got swallowed by a fish, I'm bored. I don't actually care anymore because that's right. a boring question. Um, yeah, I agree. And it, you never get to the fourth chapter, which is the most fun one. Right. And then we never get to the question of, well, ex- exactly what was Jonah's problem? Like, like what, so what is, what's the root cause of his hatred of a group of people that live all the way over there? And he doesn't, so there's a way, way more content. So yeah, I just love it. I love that you bring that New Testament scholar thing into this as well. So I think we need to dive into that. Well, I think that's another, um, it's another fair critique of the metaphysical sort of world, the metaphysical community too, um, that sometimes like logic or science even um, can, can leave its way out. So, you know, I, I think not too unsurprisingly, kind of QAnon um, has a lot of people that are like on the sort of lefty fringes uh, of, right. of metaphysics who uh, have kind of jumped on board with that. And so I'm a big believer, like um, if I'm, if I'm sick, I go to the flipping doctor, Right. you know, I, like I'm going <laughs> right. to give myself Reiki, but I'm also going to get, get checked out. I had, um, yeah. you know, I had, uh, I gave blood. Oh, this is all complicated. I had COVID like six months ago. I gave blood trying because I have antibodies or whatever and they do a check and I saw I had high cholesterol. I was like, what is that? I'm not going to try to cure that myself. I'm going to go to my doctor and see what I need to do. So I'm a big believer. Our brains and our spirits can totally go together. And my cholesterol is fine. It was turned out it was the good cholesterol. (laughs) I can't say the same. John's just living like on this like liquid fat diet. So that's why when they take his blood, it comes out as like Crisco. <laughs> Can I have your recipes? Right. Uh, oh, it's fantastic. John you is don't a fantastic want any of my cook. recipes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, 
this is a complete side. It has nothing to do with what we're talking, but I, I hadn't gone to the doctor and I don't even know how long and went to the doctor and got all my blood work done. And I went from thinking everything is good to I'm diabetic, high cholesterol. You don't want my recipes. <laughs> yeah. What do you get when you eat John's cooking? You get diabetes. <laughs> is, isn't it the worst though when you have those rude awakenings? Yeah. 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 I'm just glad it was a I'm glad it was a rude awakening from a blood test and not from finding you yeah. passed out on the floor somewhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'll take that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank I can you. offer you Reiki hey, at some point, John. Talk to me about this if you would. And you talk about healing. What's the what's the what's the metaphysical sort of underpinning of some of that? Because I've heard some people talk. I've got a friend who's really into all kinds of awesome stuff and what he would say is somewhere like like that really you have the power inside of your own body to heal yourself. And so a lot of times what we experience as healing is, 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 is not necessarily an external intervention, but getting some stuff inside your own body lined up so that it can heal itself. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I, a couple of, I think I have a couple of sort of thoughts and opinions about it. Um, a, I do, I do believe that we as humans, our bodies want to be in a state of wholeness. Yeah when possible. So if we can give them every advantage to do that, it's really helpful. I say that at the same time, I'm sitting here today and my left back shoulder blade has been hurting for like two days. Mm. And so my, my own inward process with this is to say, is just ask myself, okay, did I fall or no, I didn't fall. You know, just let's roll out the obvious. Did I do something stupid? No, I didn't do anything uh, that I can recall. So does sleep on it funny? Maybe. But then my kind of second process on a metaphysical level is to really kind of tune into that injury, to tune into my body and to say, uh, what, what message, if any, do I have that is coming through me at this point in the form of this particular pain or this particular injury, right? Often, I haven't come, I haven't come to terms with this one, but often um, something will emerge like um, if it's in my throat, you know, some truth is not being spoken. Right. Or if it's, uh, in a foot, sometimes it's because I'm not feeling, I'm feeling too, uh, too heavy, too grounded. I'm not connecting enough to spirit. Right. So sometimes we can kind of explore and find those, um, little realizations and jumpstart the healing process. But I think it's really important to, again, separate healing from cures. Right. Right. I am, I'm not responsible for my own cures. I'm not responsible for anyone else's cures. So if I'm involved in like, send, you know, Reiki is just an easy example, sending Reiki to someone and they're terribly ill, I am not responsible for their cure. Right. That's, that's up, that's between them and their, their own energy and God. Um, and healing, you know, I've, I've certainly witnessed many people in their dying process have become radically healed. They didn't live forever. Right. But they experienced tremendous healing. Um, within themselves. So I think the metaphysical community can get a little toxic sometimes by saying, you know, um, it kind of, it, it, sometimes the community can play a blame the victim. Sure. Okay. Well, if you have, you know, if you have that illness or you die young or something like that, well, it's totally, it's totally your fault. You could have healed it. Why didn't you? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't find that helpful. Um, and it's, it's a parallel to the toxic Christian kind of discussions. On right. Right. If you just had enough with. faith. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the weird toxic parallel. There's like, if you had enough faith, you'd be healed. Right. Well, and I, I think it's really important that we don't gloss over uh, something you said right in the beginning of all that. And when you're talking about your shoulder, it was a shoulder blade. The first thing you asked yourself was, okay, did, did I do something physically that would cause that harm? Yeah. Um, that's And that's where a lot of these people, um, or a lot of the people that 
want to dismiss all the metaphysical side of it is they're like, oh, it's just, that's all you do is you just, you just try to find the inner healing. But sometimes it is, it's just, you just did something stupid and you hurt yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean that you can't find a, a place of healing and calming, but I, I think it's very important that we understand or that people understand that, that it's not always, it's not always something that you're manifesting, if that makes sense. Sometimes it is just a, a physical issue. Right. Yeah. And we, we don't always have to go to the depths of our soul to, right. for, for <laughs> right. every single little blister or something like that. Right. You know, just like use common sense, send it, send it a little love. I was walking through the garden and I stepped on a nail on it and went yeah. through my foot. That's, that's some pretty, that's going to hurt. Yeah. It's right. going to hurt for yes. a while. <laughs> and then instead of going to the depths of your soul, you go to your medicine cabinet and yes, <laughs> you and, get and, a Band-Aid and you get an aspirin and you move on, right? And, and definitely get a, uh, what are the shots that they have to give you? Tetanus, tetanus. shot. Oh yeah. Get a tetanus yeah. shot. John and I were... Were you were you, death, were you as deathly afraid of lockjaw as I was growing oh, up? Yes, absolutely. Like, like I thought I knew, that was how I was going to die. I was like, "Holy crap! Does everyone get lockjaw? I should be dead by now." The eighties were a harrowing time to grow up. Yeah, I they totally were. Relate. I'm, I was- I'm screaming down the street on my metal bicycle with rusted parts. I've just stepped on fourteen nails. I should have been dead by the time I was ten. This is that I survived at all is just a testament to. I don't know, my own freaking tenacity, I think, but... Um, I had to get a tetanus shot last summer. This this was tragic. I had, um, I got a mandolin for my kitchen when those like, fam- it was like $150 to this thing that's going to like chop all your vegetables really easily. First time I'm using it and I'm just going to town on this carrot, get way too close to the blades, like slice oh. off some of the yeah. side of my hand. Uh, so I look at it, I might see my skin on the counter. I'm like, eh, we got to go to urgent care, yeah, like yeah. right now. And I tell you a weird story about a mandolin that I, I did this at a restaurant once when I was chopping vegetables for a salad. Um, somebody in Humboldt County has eaten a part of my finger. Oh no! Because <laughs> I chopped a part, I chopped a slice of my finger off into a salad, and then went, "Oh crap!" And then I left. I like Little left protein. the kitchen, and 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 when I came back, the salad had been served, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, let's wait for the complaint." There's there's gonna be a complaint about man that was that that was good but there's a chewy piece of chicken in there and I don't know what what the deal was with that that so I don't know why you needed to know that except maybe now I get sued. Um, well, the best the best part was when I got to urgent care and they were like, "How'd you do this?" Because especially when you're a woman and you come in with any kind of injury, they always ask a bunch of domestic violence questions. Right, right, but, yeah. And I'm and I'm like mandolin. They were like, "Oh, you're not the first. Oh, <laughs> apparently yeah. there's a lot of mandolin related well, accidents. <laughs> well, as soon as you say the word mandolin, I'm picturing how you hurt yourself on a on a stringed instrument. But that's okay. Yeah, it took me a too. second to go. <laughs> so with that one, I didn't try to heal it myself. I went to the doctor and they bandaged my hand up. Yeah, yeah. And be, and, and before we, you know, just crack jokes. All which, by the way, is hilarious. And this is fun. Um, <laughs> we can just crack jokes, and I love it. But you said something that was really, I think, profound. So in, in, in the charismatic circles where I grew up and where I spent a lot of my life, man, healing was, was a big deal, you know? And the fact was that the claim was made, and I've heard it made a hundred billion times, that, that everyone who has enough faith gets healed. But the bottom line for me was, yeah, but they eventually all died. Yeah. Knowing that Jesus yeah. healed, you know, in the, in the scriptures, lived forever, that we know of anyway. Yeah. Lazarus got raised from the dead, and that dude died again. So... They can't be the ultimate goal, but you said something profound, and I don't want to gloss over it, but that was that people who are in their dying process experience sometimes a radical healing. Do we need to redefine, perhaps, even what healing means? Can we have wholeness of another kind before that next thing? 
Yeah. And I, I think it's so important because our the journey of our soul, I mean, we don't really know what happens. Oh yeah. When we depart our, our right. physical bodies, right? I have I have my yeah. ideas, but we don't we don't really know. Yeah. And so for me, I mean, just in my sort of philosophy and my my spirituality, I, I think most of us probably come back for another round mm. in a in another body. And so the more I can be experience radical healing this time around the less I have to do it next time around. So partly it can be a little self-serving as sure. well. <laughs> Let's make it a little easier next time around. Right. But that, you know, to lighten our souls yeah, and, and to learn our lessons in, in this life, I think is so powerful. And that, you know, I think redefining healing, like, like you said, that is so critical because you know, Jesus died very young yeah, and in a very, you know, very tragic way. Did Jesus not have enough faith? Yeah, for sure. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> like, was, was Jesus question. lacking in question. his connection with God? I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had an experience with a guy that, that was a good friend, and um, we were teaching a class together, you know, and he taught his class, and I taught mine. And he, and he made a pretty bold statement, similar to what I just told you. You know, well, you know, people, God heals all the time, always, you know, and his mind was just there, you know. Full of faith, tons of faith, tons of faith. Six months later, he is dead of cancer. Oh, and, wow. And I'm like, yeah, I, we need to talk about this because uh, the unrealistic expectations. My daughter spent a lot of time. John's had, John's had some issues with his middle child, right, with some health issues. And when he was young and my, my daughter nearly died and we spent months and months and months in the hospital praying for her healing, waiting for God to swoop in and save the day. And and at the end of the day, uh, that didn't happen. You know, she didn't, she didn't die, but she didn't also miraculously recover from her, from her disease. And so it caused that, that's really, there's, there's some of this that for us, there's a, there's an impetus to move. And, and that impetus was, okay, well, this isn't as cut and dry as we've made it. Um, it's not, you know, not some cookie cutter slot machine, you know, get the things to line up right and it pays off. So we've had to redefine wholeness for ourselves, you know. Um, it's not always going to entail physical wholeness, but there's other ways of being whole. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I think so profound. And I, I think this way of being in the world, I think it is a deeply uh, rich way of being in the world. It's a metaphysical way of being in the world to um, to, to use that word in, in that way, maybe. But, you know, I think it's also a very kind of Christ-like way to be in the world because we meet ourselves where we are. Right. Right. And with all of our, with all of our frailties, with all of our, um, the rich depths of who we are. And there's nothing like a moment of physical illness, um, to teach us very powerful lessons. Yeah. As well. Right. Cause we're in a very vulnerable, we're in a, it's the, one of the most vulnerable times in our lives is when we are unwell. Yeah. Uh, and it's also a rich time that we can, um, learn about ourselves as well. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's in those moments you know, those moments, the dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it, where that's sometimes where we are the truest of, truest of ourselves. Our connection to the divine is the truest because our language is, is so transparent and we're just reaching out for some kind of wholeness that doesn't happen when we are, you know, on those mountaintop moments or whatever you want to call them. But you keep dropping nuggets of stuff and then we just kind of move away from it. And it's like, I, I, I want to go back to that because that was such an awesome thing. You, and you, you're, you're throwing out stuff like it's just like, I know you talk about this a lot. So it's, <laughs> it's, 
it's it's really cool how like these are some of these things are like I would consider mind blowing moments, and they and we're just kind of going we're kind of going by them because it's just it's just the conversation. But you 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 brought up reincarnation, and I can't. I can't stop. I can't not talk about <laughs> <That's> it. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> uh, and the reason is because you've also brought up this idea of intuition or being, you know, having intuitive thought. And we, we, we use terms like, you know, I have a gut feeling or um, I have this moment of clarity and this came to me. Do you see a connection maybe between this idea of we come back? And this idea of intuition or this gut feeling, because um, I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times in my journey that my wife and I have come to a crossroads and something bad could potentially happen. And my wife will turn to me and say, what is your gut and tell you right now? Because she has learned that there's some kind of connection that I have within this intuitiveness and my gut reaction is like 99% usually right. Oh, isn't that amazing? I don't trust it. She does. That's the weird thing. She's the one that will say, well, what's your gut telling you right now? And it happened so much through my son's surgeries and all the stuff we we're going. She would look at me and she's like, okay, he's going in for surgery in about five minutes. What's your gut telling you right now? And I look at her and I'm like, he's going to be fine. Yeah. I don't know why I know that. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, but, you but had he's going to be fine. Um, I don't want to say certainty. That might not be the right word. But right. That... Well, and there was also those times where I'd be like, you know what? I have no idea. Yeah. Because there were times where I just either, you know, my, my fear got in the way or whatever. But there were times, and I think that's why she learned to trust is because I, I would tell her if I didn't know. But there were, I, I don't even know how many times where I would, I'd be able to say, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so that, you know, I, in the metaphysical world, we talk about this as kind of like tuning into your higher self, like that, that part of ourselves that resides with God or, or the universe or whatever term you want to use uh, for that yeah. divinity um, that's not bound by the same sort of time and space, you know, that we are right here. And, and then sometimes I think, like you said, it's really imperative that we don't know. I mean, sometimes we're like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Or when um, yeah. you know, my spouse was in the hospital with COVID a couple of months ago and, um, I had no intuition happening there. All I had was fear for like 48 hours. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to kind of, with, with all my skills and with all my tools, I was able to work through that and, and tap into that higher self. And so is that, is the question though, is that related to our kind of coming back to our um, reincarnation? Yeah. So I would say, you know, our higher self never changes. Okay. I don't want to say never changes. I don't know. Um, but our higher <laughs> self is maybe a little more constant. <laughs> So okay. if there is such a thing as reincarnation, which I can't, I, I can't say for certain that there is that there isn't, I can just say that uh, the idea is um, com very compelling to me as a Christian right. for for a lot of different reasons. Um, but if that is true, our higher self is like, all right, like this time around, this is the lesson. Okay, like next time around, we got <laughs> you still you didn't learn that one. We got to get that one down this time, or like you know what, you've had this experience, this experience, this experience in life. Like this time around, what if we try something different? Let's let, like, let's try a new culture. Let's try a new a new uh, a new hardship, a new gift uh, for you. And so, I think that higher self feeding us our feeding us our intuition, kind of that when we can tune into our intuition, that is that higher self and that higher self that is with God, uh, that's coming straight from source, straight from divinity. 
Um, yeah. So I think those feel, I, I never thought about it in that way, but thank you for the question. Cause that's clarifying <laughs> for me. So yeah. I feel a Facebook live coming on after this for my, for my group. So <laughs> great. Great. Always with the probing questions, John. I love it. Hey, that's why we're here, right? I, I think so. I had no place else to be. So I was like, yeah, right, whatever. I mean, it's all, it's all good. It was all predestined. John, you know, I'm a Calvinist. Wow. The C word comes up. Yes. You knew I'm I'm only, I was talking, it's funny because we were talking to Brad Jerzak and he, he, I think he coined a new term. He said a four point Calvinist, you know, so a Calvinist (laughs) who still believes, who doesn't believe in limited atonement. I'm like, that's cool. Okay. I, I, I still think it sucks, but whatever. (laughs) It it only sucks 20% less. Right. Right. The depravity is less. So it's cut in half. Now with less depravity. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I, I, when I when I don't really know what to say, I default to cracking jokes. So um, that's just what I do. You, you, I, I'm like John. I, I feel like I'm kind of drinking from the fire hose a little bit, and there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that's kind of spinning through my head. But um, how does the um, let, let, let's dive into the into the New Testament scholar bit of your brain for a minute, and um, like like how how do those how do those two things play nice together? You know what I'm saying? Uh, like. Yeah, uh, like which two things specifically? Well, you know, like the so the metaphysical, you know, and uh, and then the the sort of New Testament. Uh, sometimes you know, biblical studies can be a little more rigid than than something like metaphysics, where you can, you know, you can maybe sometimes be a little less rigid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, totally. And you're you're completely correct about biblical studies. It's this weird subfield um, that relies a lot on precision and translation and ancient historical cultural artifacts, you know, all this kind of stuff, which I love. I I can geek out on that all day long um, as well. And so, you know, as you said, I, for me, the Christian story, so let's say including the New Testament, but not limited to the New Testament, the Christian story is highly metaphysical. We, we don't call it that in church or in not church, um, but it is, we are focused on someone that we call Jesus who is an incarnate dimension of God on earth. Like we are, you know, the whole of Christianity is focused on this, on Jesus Christ, who we say that, and I believe that God knows what it is to be human. So whenever I go through a day that sucks, like God literally knows what that is like, because God became human in order to do that, like in, in God's own creation. And then the, you know, the profession of faith that, Christ died, Christ rose, Christ will come again. Like you don't get a more metaphysical story than that. Um, you know, so uh, I think we, I think on a, this isn't surface, I would say at a, at a top level, we can say, well, Jesus had all the, you know, there's all these healings, there's all these miracles, there's all these demonstrations of powers and signs. Um, and, and that's all true. You know, the scholarly part of me says, well, like, what, what did the author of Luke intend for the reader to understand by telling that particular story about the healing in that way? Is that supposed to be literal or is that supposed to be a metaphor? Okay. And that's all fine. Those are all questions that I uh, like to ask and like to answer. Um, but to me, it's the power of the story. It's the power of the narrative. Doesn't matter if it's literally true or not. It's the power of that narrative that Jesus was deeply invested in people's wholeness. Uh, deeply invested in people's um, wellness, uh, deeply invested in feeding people, um, deeply invested in people's spiritual health as well, especially through community. 
restoring people to community. Um, so in my mind, I, you know, I, I see metaphysics really woven throughout the Jesus story as a way of being much less than I can say, like, turn to this verse and this will give you um, authority to go explore chakras because that's just not how it works. <laughs> Right. But what I can say is that, gosh, when I explore the chakras, I am deeply invested in my in, in my wellness and the wellness of others um, and in healing and in restoring people to community. And that, I believe, is Jesus work. I, I was just um, again, uh, I just keep coming back to this where you drop some knowledge that makes me come up with some other kind of question. Um, and this idea that the incarnation of Jesus coming to earth to suffer along with us in our pain, in our weakness, so that God, uh, this is maybe not the best way to describe it, but so that God can better understand our pain, uh, better understand our weakness. Um, I had this conversation, I, I, I think it was with my dad, or Nat and my dad, uh, about that moment on the cross, which everyone wants to talk about this idea that there's this moment where God and Jesus are separated which I don't believe. But there is this moment at the cross where a father loses a son. And in that moment, there's a gasp of sheer and utter despair from the father to the son. And I think there are volumes and volumes within that gasp. I think that is where death was defeated, was in the gasp of God at the death of his son. And if that's not metaphysical, I don't know what is. I mean, how can you look at that and try to figure out a way to put it into literal terms, into biblical terms, and meaning you know that we can read it in a book and say, okay, I understand this now. Because that's not how the death of a child works or the death of a loved one works. Does, if, if any of that made sense. <laughs> oh, I, oh, absolutely. And that's, again, that state of um, utter vulnerability. Yeah. Right, that, that Jesus was in and was being witnessed, you know, witnessed by his own mother, witnessed by the, right. the female disciples who were there, and witnessed by God. Yeah. Um, it's a, 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 you know, total vulnerability and the, I mean, Paul talks about this too. He talks about the shame of being on the cross because Jesus was exposed. Right. And because in his final moment, when he had an orgasm, everyone could see. Right. On the cross, right? And, and somehow the Christian story in this really beautiful metaphysical way turns what should be shameful um, into, and I want to be very careful about my word here, but we turn that into a story about being life-affirming. Right. Right, about the defeat yeah. of death. Um, and I don't want to use the R word there because I'm not sure I believe in the re in redemption in that way, but in being right, life affirming. Right. Absolutely. But it is that sort of, I mean, without the metaphysical, without the cosmic implications of what happens there, I, I feel like that story's robbed of most of its meaning. You know, other, I mean, honestly, without, without the metaphysical, without the cosmic, without the, the resurrection doesn't even occur. And so, right. so much of, you know, one of, one of the things that I've seen in, you know, and I, I know you see this as well, especially in academic circles, as we get to a place where we've just sort of dismissed everything. Yeah. I remember, I remember going to college and 
attend doing this class and they really want us to teach, uh, learn about the Jesus seminar because they just want to discredit oh, them, God. you know, but the Jesus <laughs> seminar, you know, begins with the presupposition that all the miracle stories are crap. So there goes all the new Testament, you know? Um, wow. and then, so and in, in, in the point of the Jesus seminar and they're all Marcus Borg is part of that, you know, John Croson is part of that. These aren't like, these aren't, you know, just no, no, hard, no, they're, 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 they're nice. Human they're, beings, they're, yeah. Right. So they're, there's, and they're, and they're legit academic scholars. Oh yeah. But they begin yeah. with the premise. The, the whole point of John is that they're they're trying to decide how much of Jesus's sayings that are recorded in the Bible are authentic. Or, yeah, can be traced back to and the so historical Jesus. Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke, John. Right. They throw in Thomas just to be fun, and then they they and they immediately discount the miraculous. So all the miracle stories are done. All the healings are done. We don't even talk about those. So now we're just sticking with, and then, and they arrive at some number that's you know low 12 percent. You know that they say well, but man. And I've read stuff by Borg that does not do that. So I don't know that he. No. Yeah. No, he, he was a, yeah, very kind, uh, kind yeah. individual. Well, and probably as a purely academic exercise, you can say, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, but man, man, there goes so much of what, <laughs> what animates the story of Jesus, you know? Well, don't yeah. And, and what's life affirming. Yeah. In those stories too. Right. It's it, again, it's, um, I, so I don't care, but um, whether it literally happened or not, uh, I'm not as interested in as um, what what is this story saying about the human encounter with the divine? Yeah. And it's saying yeah. that God really cares very intimately about the details of our lives and the details of our physical lives. So, I mean, it's this this dimension of caring of Jesus that motivates me when, you know, um, when part of me just, just wants to kind of give up on the problems of the world. You know, that's when Jesus is like, I, no, that's not what we're about. We're about actually feeding people, clothing people. Yeah. Um, making people, maybe making sure people have water to drink. Like that's an important part of my ministry here. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, Jesus doesn't heal the well. <laughs> right. Right. And when people are hungry, he doesn't tell them just to go read their Bibles. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone, yeah. did it, did anyone bring any food? Like, oh, you know, you know, there wasn't that sort of like Gnostic sort of like, okay, well, your physical body is just terrible. And I'm here to feed your souls. Get over it. Right. No, he, no, he, but even that's a metaphysical, you know, even that's a, an introduction of the miraculous into the area of the physical need of human beings. And so yeah. a picture of a place where divinity and, and physicality come into contact, you know, and I, I I think that's awesome. I don't want to miss that part of the story. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and I think that's as Jesus followers, um, those of us who are kind of committed to um, sort of meta, meta, exploring the metaphysical world and all of its abundance and all of its richness. Um, to me, it's very important that we don't forget that our bodies are, um, are very sacred. And I, I don't mean that in the old sort of church way of like your body is your temple and if you ever had sex, you're stained, you know, it's nothing like that, <laughs> but it's that they, it's that our bodies are, and I'm a very sex positive sort of educator forward person. Um, but it's that our bodies are indeed sacred and not to be neglected. Right. And so many people that I've, you know, who are into metaphysics as Jesus followers have had to subdue that, that part of themselves. They've had to repress that part of the, themselves and they end up coping and, you know, in ways that are not necessarily healthy. You know, you know, we're trying to numb, kind of numb those parts of themselves. And so for me, it's when we can come into all these dimensions of ourselves, we're able to thrive. For sure. Man. You've given us a lot to uh, 
to digest. And uh, I just appreciate where you're coming from. Uh, I've listened to you on Heretic Happy Hour since you became a co-host. Um, that, that's like um, I think we, you and I have talked. That's where I first got to know you actually when you were one of the heretics. Of oh the yeah, yeah, that was fun. And to say that my the the old self or the bat the, the 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 old version of me didn't first kind of go oh yeah well that's that's that mystical stuff again and to say that that guy that that version of me didn't rear its ugly head for a moment would be a lie but then i quickly put that person aside and said no let's let's listen to what's going on here and uh i'm glad i did oh i'm glad well thank you so much and you know the funny thing was when we did that interview i had no intention of talking about reincarnation and um, at the time when I was the guest, they kind of leapt on that. And that's the topic that we ended up talking about the whole time. I, I, did, I had no idea that's what we were going to talk about. So, um, but it's great because whenever anyone has a question, I'm like, I have an episode about that. Right. Whenever anyone has a question <laughs> on the yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, awesome, man. How, 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 can, how can people connect you? I know you've got a lot going on, other podcasts as well. So what's uh, how can people connect with you? Yeah, I think the um, I'll, my email is Katie K A T Y at Katie Valentine, just like the holiday K A T Y V A L E N T I N E dot com. Um, and if you want to join my Facebook group, the Metaphysical Christian, we're, we're the only one out there. So if you just type that into Facebook, um, then come on into the group, and you can hear hear more about all of this kind of stuff. Right. And you have, you're obviously a co-host on Heretic Happy Hour, but you've also yeah. got another podcast, don't you? I do, Magical Mystical Journey. So if you're awesome. re- the listeners who are really into the woo-woo and you want to hear more in Magical Mystical <laughs> Journeys, it. uh, it's really fun. I, I work with a shaman and a psychic, an evidential psychic medium, and we explore a being of the week, like an angel or a saint or someone from another religion and kind nice. of their energy around that being. So it's totally fun. And I always bring in the scholarship of how do we know what we know right? and where do we go, where do we go from here? Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking some time. Um, in, uh, while you're in the lovely Ireland, I am, we also yes. need to mention yeah, that. We're a little jealous um, of that, by the way. So yeah, we're both jealous. Well, of that. It is totally fabulous and everything is completely on lockdown here. So it's a, uh, you know, give a little, take a little here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, yes, again, just thank you very much. And, uh, we will definitely link to all of your stuff yeah. in the, in the episode. And again, thank you for coming on with us. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to This Is Not Church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch, where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.